1: I am Latricia, and with me today is my co-host, Phyllis. Hey, Phyllis.
0: Hey, Latricia, and hello, Difference Makers. Today, I'm excited to announce that we have a special guest. Jonathan J. Emanuel is the host of the Right to Real, R-E-A-L, Love Radio podcast. It is the number one dating and relationship podcast for Christians that will help you develop better relationships with God, yourself, and others. How you doing, Jay?
2: Hey ladies, it is such an honor and a joy to be on here joining the two of you today. I appreciate you extending the invitation.
1: Yeah, we're excited to have you today.
2: Oh yeah, this is going to be fun. I'm excited to dive into the topic as well.
1: (laughs) Good, good. Now, I know that you host a podcast about dating and relationships, but In your podcast, you also talk about the Bible and things as it pertains to God. So I just thought that you would be a great guest for this topic, not only because you host this radio show, but also because you are a millennial and Phyllis is also a millennial. So I think the millennial perspective is really important for this topic.
2: Oh, yeah. I'm I'm excited. As you stated, I typically, for the most part, am operating in the lane of relationships. But as anybody who knows me from listening to the podcast or has spoken with me personally, you know that I have a love for the word of God and discussing it, studying it. And I'm definitely looking forward to exploring what we're going to be diving into today with, with the two of you.
1: Wonderful. I want to say that recently I I read this article, and it had data from the Pew Research, and it stated that black millennials are less religious than their elders and that they're leaving traditionally religious spaces. Now, when we talk about the term religious, let's use the definition organized religion as opposed to some type of a state of being. You get what I'm saying?
2: Yes, I understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Now, I wasn't surprised by this, but historically, the Black church has been a pillar of the Black community. And it just made me think, well, if millennials are leaving the Black church and so many millennials are so socially conscious, historically, the Black church was known for activism. How does that impact the Black church?
2: That's a good question. And I'm really glad that you started off with defining religious because I'm sure that there are a lot of different perspectives that people can take, a lot of different definitions. But for the sake of our discussion, as you stated, we're going to be operating with the definition of organized religion. Um, So I think that that's a really good way of making sure that people understand what we mean when we talk about it. I didn't have the opportunity to read the article that you're discussing, but the findings don't surprise me that much when I look at The other millennials that I know, especially those who are black or African-American or, you know, whatever they may qualify or label themselves as, I would say it makes sense that there's a shift. And I don't think it has really so much to do with the organized religion itself or the quote unquote black church as much as it does the culture and the society that we live in. The culture and society in which you stated where the Black church was known for activism and it was about unifying the community of our people, man, that society, that culture is so different from today's culture where things are more so focused on the individual as opposed to the community. And I think that is one of the biggest differences between the Black church then and the Black church now.
1: So do you think the Black church is still relevant today?
2: I definitely think it's relevant because if it wasn't relevant, it wouldn't exist. You know, that's the one thing that you have to always keep in mind is that when something becomes irrelevant, it will die out and it's not going to die out. And I don't think that it, it will. Like and the reason why I say that it may not have the same impact as it once had. It may not even have the same role. But the reason why the black church isn't dead or it hasn't died out or isn't irrelevant is because the black church is finally starting to do some of the things that you would see. I guess you could say and probably what we would term contemporary churches is that it's starting to change and evolve. And I think that is one of the things that probably has hindered the black church from not, quote unquote, growing as much as it would like or as much as people have perceived it to is because it hasn't been a lot of evolution. It hasn't been a lot of change. And I believe a lot of the leadership within the black church is finally getting to a place where they're realizing like, hey, we don't want to die out. We don't want to become irrelevant. So we finally have to acknowledge that we're going to have to make some changes.
1: What type of changes are you referring to?
2: It depends on the church. I think first and foremost, you have to understand who you're trying to get in the doors. And that's going to differ depending on what one, what religion we're talking about, what denomination we're talking about. We're talking about who's in leadership. Like there are so many different variables. So the changes are going to likely differ depending upon what type of church, what type of leader, and what type of people they want in the quote unquote pews. So there are a variety of different changes that a church can adopt um, based on, uh, I guess you could say the things that they teach, um, the types of people that they're trying to appeal to the types of events that they put on the type of groups that they have or small groups that they have available at their church. You know, there are a lot of different avenues that churches can take, uh, especially when you look at some of the other things that they have going on now within like the church culture as a whole. When you look at the, the planting of different churches And you have a lot of satellite churches, you know, so trust me, it's a lot of different, I guess you could say strategies that churches can employ. But as far as which ones will be effective, I think it has really to do with whatever that organization believes is most valuable to them and the congregation that they're trying to attract.
1: Since it appears that millennials are leaving churches in droves, it appears that they're trying to attract the millennials or bring back the millennials. I know the two of you are millennials and I have two children who are also millennials and having spoken with my children, one of the things that they talk about or two of the things that they talk about is one inclusion. They don't feel like church is inclusive of all people and the second thing is independent thinking. They don't think that that the church makes way for independent what are the two of your thoughts about that as millennials?
2: Uh, ladies first.
0: I can definitely understand why they mention independent thinkers. One common thread about millennials are that we are independent thinkers. We question a lot of things. More than likely, those questions are usually just shooed away or even scorned that you even asked a question. We grew up in an informational age, so we want to know, why do we do this? Why is church on a Sunday? Why do we celebrate these holidays? And it's normally met with, this is just the way it is, or don't question God. So I can see a lot of people that I know who have left the church or who are now non-religious do so because questions aren't answered.
2: I agree with you completely. I think that what you just stated is the crux of the issue, because a lot of traditional churches, whether we're talking about the black church, the contemporary church or whatever church you want to talk about, I honestly believe that one of the biggest taboos within the organized church system is the fact that independent thinking is always been an enemy to their doctrine and their agenda. And when you look at millennials that is what they are focused on. They have questions and they want them answered. And unfortunately, a lot of church leaders within the organized religious system are not willing to answer those questions or as you know, as she just stated, they're shooed away or they're scorned. And I don't know about you guys, but if most people who have a question and it's not being answered, they're being scorned as a result of it or shooed away as a result of it, If they're industrious individuals, they are going to seek those answers on their own. And in many cases, that will lead people to, you know, what they would term, quote unquote, leave the church. Um, But I think there's also a misconception with that, because just because a person has left the church, it doesn't mean that a person has abandoned their faith in God. And I think that is one of the biggest mistakes that the organized religious system perpetuates is that they make people feel like by leaving the church system, you have abandoned your faith. And I think that there is a complete difference between the two of those. And I think that's one of the reasons why people who do begin to seek information on their own and try to get answers to those questions on their own, even though they aren't supported, when people start to question their faith, I mean... That's even worse than a person's unwillingness to answer your questions or shoo you away is now they're calling to question your relationship with God. <laughs> yeah, I think that'll send a lot of people out the door. And I think that that's one of the things that we begin to see happen in our society today.
0: Well, Trisha, you also mentioned feeling as if you don't belong. I believe that in itself, what Jay does just discuss will make you feel like you're an outsider. But I also feel as if My experience of being a single black woman is there's this tension. It seems to be in the church when there's a single woman. Most of the people that are attending church, from my experiences, have been married couples or elderly couples. And there's just this cattiness even in the church. So you feel like you don't belong For those reasons, and Jay, you're an expert in this topic, so what do you feel about being single in the church as a Black person? Does that hinder the connection as well?
2: Yeah, I totally believe that there's a distinction between people who are attending church and they are single versus those who are married. You know, I'm not even going to say those in a relationship, but I think the biggest divide is between the married and the unmarried people. And I know that there are a lot of churches that have been doing a really good job of starting to engage the unmarried people in their church. So, you know, I don't take anything away from them. But we also know that there are quite a few churches who do still cater to their parishioners who are married. And Let me be clear, like there's nothing wrong with that. However, I believe that the way a lot of organized religious systems and and churches, if we'll call it that, are set up, they're set up in a way to pretty much cater to a select group of people. And that is like the catch 22 (laughs) is the people that you want more of in your church are the people who your doctrine and your religious systems and your programs and everything are not set up to cater to so it does create this dilemma where it's like well how do well we want more singles we want more millennials but when you look at your sermons when you look at the groups when you look at the people that are sitting in the pews that's not them Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know so that's going to be very difficult unless you have somebody that either comes in as a consultant to help you attract those people or you begin to open your doors and make those people welcome By, you know, for lack of a better term, creating programs, creating sermons and things that will actually speak to them. And I think one of the ways to do that, you know, just as an example, is to not necessarily cater to one or both, but really get back to teaching the word of God in a way in which it reaches everybody. And I think that is one of the challenges that a lot of churches have is that they try to cater to one or a few groups. And as a result, it excludes some people and, you know, brings about. That issue that you mentioned with regards to people not feeling included
1: yeah that's really important to feel included and I want to go back to something that you said earlier because it really resonates with me is that when people don't subscribe to organized religion that their faith is being questioned and I haven't subscribed to organized religion in years yet and still I'm still a bible believing child of God oftentimes I live in the South, in North Carolina. And the second question that's asked after your name is, what church do you go to? Whenever I say, I don't go to a church, people always say something like, well, you know, the Bible says, forsake not the assembly together of the saints. And they immediately go into judgment. Do you think judgment is also a reason why people are leaving the church? You bet you bet no doubt
2: <laughs> no doubt man it's no question about that at all. you know I think that is one of the sad things about the way organized religion, what word can I use the way they promote the the scriptures you know most people have the tendency of utilizing the scriptures to their benefit, right like this is something that is historically proven. We see it when you go all the way back in time, when you look at the crusades, they were killing people based on what they said, the word of God said. You even got people like Hitler, you know, God forbid all of the horrible things that he did. And guess what? He was somebody that was supposedly a believer. You know, when you look at the way people have used the word of God in order to do things that are complete opposition to what the word of God says it's amazing. You know, and I just point out those extreme examples to show how easy it is for somebody to do it, not even in an extreme fashion like that, but just because you believe a certain thing and you want the people that come to your church or that you are friends with or that you associate with to believe the same things that you do. And it creates that which you just mentioned, judgment. And I think it's one of those things that is actually without even being consciously done. It's something that's promoted. You know, you are supposed to judge people. Why? You know, and, and this kind of goes off into another lane, and I don't want to go too deep there, but just to kind of put it out there on the table for people to think about, which is it really stems from the whole heaven and hell thing, right? Most people believe that you're either going to heaven or you're going to hell. I'm not here to refute or deny either one of those. The point that I'm making is that when the focus is on where a person is going, human beings have the tendency to become the the divisors of their own measures of what is going to deem where a person goes. Even though this is a decision that's ultimately made by the most high, people still had a tendency because of what they believe, what they're taught at their churches to say, hey, you know, if you go to my church, if you believe the same thing that I believe, if you're part of my denomination, if you stand by this creed and these sets of beliefs, then you're going to heaven. Guess what? If you don't, by default, you're going to hell. That's a judgment. And a judgment in the sense in which none of us have the right to say who is or who isn't going to hell. We don't make that decision. Yeah, we have our own judgments and our own beliefs in regards to that. But ultimately, it's the most high that will decide where or what happens to a person when it's all said and done. So to get back to your original point, yes, I think that judgment is something that exists and it's definitely something that is a proponent to why people may not be a part of organized religion.
1: What are some other reasons why millennials are leaving organized religion?
2: Oh, man. Like, I honestly believe, like, it, it's going to vary from person to person. But I think the things that we touched on today are probably the main proponents for why it's happening. Um, You know, Other reasons, I mean, people just kind of wake up one day and decide that they no longer want to go. People don't see the value in it. People don't feel like their needs are being met. I think that's one of the other main ones, too, is that some people don't stop going to church because they don't like going to church or they don't find value in it, but they don't feel like they are receiving what they need. And, you know, that's just a human, that's human nature. You know, when we don't feel like we're being served, we pick up and we go somewhere where we will be served.
1: Exactly. Which that makes me think about what you were saying about heaven and hell. A lot of times the message is on heaven and hell as opposed to how to make it day to day through this life. And that's what the majority of the people want to know. The majority of the people want to know how do I make it day to day through this life? What do I need to do to have and live a fruitful, joyous life?
2: Exactly. And what you just hit on. Excellent point, because it's that other shift that I think is where there's a gap between organized religion and the perception of most millennials is that lack of practicality, right? (laughs) They go to church, they hear these great sermons, but in some cases they don't see how it can be practically applied to their life. And I think that's another place where they're missing the mark From the perspective of organized religion and not being able to connect with millennials is because millennials want to know, you know, how can I take these biblical principles and apply them to my, my personal life, apply them to my relationships, apply them to my job? You know, that's one of the reasons why with the Right to Real Love Radio podcast, like. We're basing the things we're talking about on biblical principles. That's one of the reasons why it resonates with people is because we're not just saying, oh, man, here's this scripture and, you know, go off on your day and go read it. No, but we actually discuss like how you can apply this to your relationships. And I think that's the same thing that millennials desire when it comes to other aspects of their life and what they're looking for from their church.
0: I'm glad that you included practicality. I stopped going to church for maybe six years I visited a church and I could apply what the pastor taught. So I joined as a member. The reason I left the church was one, a church stole my money where you do automatic withdrawals and they were doing two a month. And I oh, wow. opted in for one. I call it pimping scriptures when people try to use the Bible to their benefit. And also it's not, a, sometimes it's not a place of peace and If you don't have peace anywhere else, if you don't have it in your home, if you don't have it at work, at least you can have it at church. So when that becomes a place of disruption, it's another reason why you want to leave. So I just wanted to touch on my personal experience with why I left the church and why I returned as
1: well.
2: I appreciate you for sharing that. Thank you.
1: Why did you return, Phyllis? Or are you back in church now? I am, to
0: be honest this is how it happened. A lot of my friends at work, they are, some of them are ministers or elders in the church and all this, and they knew I didn't go to church, but I would talk about devotions or things of that nature. But they said, Phyllis, we want you to visit our church this year. And I'm like, okay, sure. One day I was going to visit another church, but the church was closed. So I drove back And I saw this particular church was open and I went in there and I was like, oh, my, I never knew that. I've heard this a thousand times or a hundred times. And I didn't know that about the Bible. So it started to create like a hunger in me as in what else can I learn? Because as Jay was saying, I think I tried to learn outside of the Bible as well. How did it come into fruition And there were books like "A Thousand and One Things You Should Know About the Bible." I think I tried to learn that way, but I didn't try to learn as far as diving into the Bible itself. So it was you need to go to church (laughs) type that that brought me there, but that's not why I stayed.
1: And just let me say for the record, I'm using the term church and organized religion as one in the same. Although I know and you all know that church. Really, are the people, it's not the building. Jonathan, do you participate in organized religion?
2: Not at this moment. And I'll explain to you why. I think, from my personal perspective, and let me be clear about that from my personal perspective, this isn't something that I'm about to grab no scripture and make it fit the way that I want it to fit. That's not at all the case. And I just want to be clear to anybody that's listening. To me, when I began to read the scriptures that you talked about with regards to you know us assembling and coming together, I'm in complete agreement with that. And I want to also state that I'm not against people that attend church. I'm not against church at all. I find extreme value in church for those who are attending it. And I found extreme value in church. I think everybody just is in a different place along their journey. And for me personally, what I've come to realize is that What church ultimately is supposed to be about, based on what you just said, the true revelation of what church is, the people, ecclesia, right, is it's about relationship and community. And we have grown up in a society, and when I say we, I mean me and a lot of other people, maybe you guys would include yourself, where church, that community, that relationship that's supposed to be fostered is equated to a building. And I think that is where a lot of people's perspective on church differs from mine is because I do not personally believe that a person needs to seek community and relationship at a particular building. I don't think that there's anything wrong with it. I'm not against it once again. But I believe that ultimately it's about finding community and developing relationships And for me, that is what I've done over the years. I have attended different churches. I have learned and gleaned from a lot of people and I still continue to. And as a result, I've been able to develop relationships and I've been able to develop communities of people that I can study the scriptures with. And most importantly, and I think this is the key thing, even though I do my own personal study, the one thing that I've come to realize from a very wise teacher is that we all need a teacher. So even though I'm not sitting under the tutelage of a pastor at a particular church, I am being taught by people that I have contact with, people that have been studying and have a better and greater understanding of the Word of God than I do. I am a full proponent of not just doing my own personal study and leaving it there, but also putting myself in a position to be taught by people who know more than me, who can share and reveal things in the Word that I don't know. And to me, that is something that I have always been engaged in, even when I was attending an actual church building, and that I still continue to do to this day. So that would be my answer.
1: I would say same.
2: <laughs> That's what's up. Yo, like I, I appreciated that that you get it. I mean, I've met a lot of people, honestly, who don't get it. And I understand why, but at the same time, to me, it wouldn't be no issue. Like I don't judge people whether they attend church or they don't. But going back to something that you talked about, which was with regards to being judged, I feel like when you don't attend a church and other people do, there is this judgment like, oh, uh, you must not really be serious about your walk. But then I feel like, how can you pass that judgment on somebody just because they don't attend church? I don't know. People choose to do so. And, you know, that's totally their right.
0: We also live in a digital age. When I wasn't attending a church, I could just hop online.
2: Yeah. And think about it. There are some people that e- would even judge a person for doing that. Oh, that ain't really real. That ain't real church. You know? I mean, like, I'm, am I lying, though? Like, you are not. I've heard people it's the truth. things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the crazy thing about it. It's like. And this isn't everybody. Let me be clear. This isn't every person, but we all know that there are some what we would term religious people and sticking with our definition, which means people who are involved in organized religion who would make those statements. Because they believe that if you're not doing and believing and, and saying and dancing and worshiping and praying and doing everything the way I do it or the way I've been taught to do it, is something wrong with you and you're not doing it the right way and you need to get right and do it this way. I, I feel like that is so static, right? That, like, that's, that's constricting. We're all individuals. There is definitely some uniformity with regards to what we are called to believe if we say that we believe in the Bible and that the God, the one true God is the God that we serve. Yeah, don't get me wrong. There are things that definitely cannot be changed. As it says, don't add or subtract to my word. But I believe that some of the things that people are trying to make, quote unquote, scripture is just doctrine. And doctrine is different than scripture. And I think most people aren't aware
1: of that. Very true. Very true. Which brings us to this last question, because, wow, the time has flown. And it seems like whenever we're engaging in great discussions, time just flies by. But for people who do participate in organized religion, how can they keep the faith when the leaders disappoint?
2: That's a good question. So for me, I would go to a scripture that is like one of my go-tos in Proverbs where it tells us to lean out on our own understanding but to make sure that we are trusting above all else in the most high and you know to me that's the most important thing i think sometimes we can lean on our own understanding and this applies to people that are in and outside of organized religion but to stick with you know the question that you asked at hand if they're focusing on their leaders i think that they need to be in a place where they place their focus not on their leadership as much as they place their focus on the most high. And I already know some people are going to be like, I don't do that. But like it's just human tendency to sometimes focus more on what we can see versus what we can't see. So for me, I think it's really important for us to understand that uh, I think it's in Deuteronomy 31 where God reminds us that he'll never leave us or forsake us. Man will, man can. I've experienced it myself, you know. And the one thing that I can say is don't ever, ever, ever put yourself in a position where you put all of your eggs in, in one basket. It's nothing wrong with sitting under the teaching or under the leadership or the ministry of a particular leader, but make sure you don't put them in a position that outranks God. And I know most people would not think that they would do that, but, you know, it doesn't really take much for us to cross that line and find ourselves idolizing somebody or relying on that person for something that we should be relying fully and totally in God on or on God for.
1: And Phyllis, what are your thoughts?
0: I would say most of it probably stems from church hurt. So you have to let go of the, the hurt and allow it to be based on the person and not the whole organization. If it was something else, you wouldn't base it on the whole organization. So this particular person may have disappointed me, but this is not a reflection of what Christianity is.
1: And is that true regardless of who the leader is, whether it's the person at the top of the organization or someone in between?
0: I think regardless of who is in the position regardless of what position it is but of course if it's a higher position it's more detrimental
1: that makes sense makes sense to me
2: can i ask you a quick question if you don't mind yes yeah the reason it just hit me like i was sitting here thinking back about the question that you just asked and i should ask you this qualified question before i answer which is keep their faith in what
1: keep their faith in god keep their faith in their spiritual journey?
2: Okay. Okay. So my answer, my answer can, applies to that. You know, I just needed to make sure because sometimes where a person's faith is targeted could be different. And, you know, if it was about keeping their faith in, you know, that, that church or keeping their faith in that leader, then my answer would probably differ to a certain degree. But if it's about keeping their faith in God, in the journey that they're on personally, then I stand by what I said. You know, it's all about making sure that their focus is aligned on Him first and foremost. So, yep, just wanted to clarify. Thank you.
1: Good. I'm glad you did ask that question to clarify because so many people who leave the church, particularly like Phyllis was saying from church hurt, they don't only turn their back on the. The church that they left, they turned their back on God. They they don't want to have anything else to do with God, even though it wasn't God who hurt them. But somehow they put the two together.
2: I appreciate you for answering that for me. And you're so right. You know, that happens a lot. And I think it goes back to what I was talking about, you know, where sometimes there becomes a blurring between God and that spiritual leader. And that's something that I think we always need to be cognizant of. You know, it can happen to any one of us. I don't think people consciously do it, but I think subconsciously, sometimes people can begin to equate that spiritual leader with God. Not saying that they're one in the same, but when they feel like they've been wronged by that spiritual leader, then they can also feel like they've been wronged by God because, you know, we call people the man of God, the woman of God. And if the man or woman of God hurt you, then by, you know, just human logic, it seems like God trying to hurt me to some degree because he used this person that he's supposedly using. Right. So I was hurt by God. I don't agree with that logic, but I get it from, you know, a humanistic perspective.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, do you have any final thoughts? Either of you before we close out.
2: Ladies first,
0: uh, we touched so many key points. I don't have anything.
2: The one thing that I would say is I really appreciate you both for inviting me on here to be a guest on the podcast and to discuss this topic. You know, I I love having conversations like this, but to be completely honest with you, many conversations that I have like this are often reserved for my personal life because most times people just want me to come on their podcast and talk about relationships. So I really appreciated you extending the invitation to come talk about something that wasn't directly tied to, you know, our relationships with other people in the sense of romantic relationships. I really appreciated that change of pace. And it was one of the reasons why when I got the invitation, it was an automatic yes, because I'm like, yes, I want to talk about something different. I want to talk about, you know, our focus on God and our spiritual journey, which I think is extremely important. And I just want to thank you guys for providing me with the opportunity to speak on this topic. And I hope and pray by God's grace that somebody found value in the things that all three of us share today.
0: Jay, how can the listeners get in contact with you or stay connected with you?
2: Most definitely so. The first thing that I would request or ask that they do is go check out the Right to Real Love radio podcast. You can pretty much find it anywhere you listen to podcasts, such as Apple Podcasts or Stitcher Radio. And if you want to get in contact with me, you can go over to the website, com, And there's a contact page over there where you can just send me an email and we can actually communicate with one or another directly. So feel free to do so.
1: Thank you so much.
2: Thank you guys.
1: (laughs) Thank you, Jay, for being here. We really appreciate you and enjoy the conversation with you.
2: Likewise, I definitely enjoyed it. It was a fun and enjoyable experience. Thank you, ladies, so much.
0: This concludes our main course and now the principal challenge.
2: Principal challenge. Live them out.
1: Our principal challenge for today is this. If you subscribe to any religious belief, find a historical fact about that religion. If you don't subscribe to a religious belief, find a historical fact about one that you may be curious about. As
0: always, a great principle challenge, Latricia. Now it's time to open your mind, hearts, and ears for our next section, Spread the Good News. Not rumors, not rubbish. Living the principles, we spread the good It's so difficult to find any positive good news about religion, however, we have three key points again. Our first is of Reverend Heber Brown, the third of Baltimore, Maryland. He decided he needed to do more than just pray, he turned seeds into scriptures. He's now yielding 1100 pounds for the community annually, so he's feeding the people in two ways. Shout out to Reverend. Heber Brown III. The next person I would like to highlight is Camille Downey Banner from Michigan. She received the Legacy Award for her 20 plus years of musical ministry. We all know how music moves us. She also has been making moves for decades. Our final good news comes from Waco, Texas. Baylor University is now collecting and preserving sermons from Black Civil Rights era preachers. It's also supported by the Black Gospel Restoration Lead. We are preserving history and all that we've done. This is the good news for today. <clears throat> Latricia, we've had a main course. I think it's time for a soul snack.
1: Our soul snack for today comes from a Ugandan proverb. And it says, the idea of God is like skins. Each person adopts his own. Lovely. That's our show for today. Until next time, expand your minds and impact your communities. Thanks for
0: listening to... Living the Principles podcast. Be sure to visit us at livingtheprinciples365.com to access the show and join in on the conversations.